0: Hi hey there, I'm TG Brandfault. You are listening to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. The Gontrepreneur.com podcast gives us an opportunity to speak directly with entrepreneurs and experts working on the front lines of the industry to normalize cannabis through responsible business, education, and activism. As your host, I will do my best to bring you actionable information to help you plan, grow, and manage your cannabis business. Uh, today, I'm joined by Chip Baker. He is the host of The Real Dirt with Chip Baker, founder and former owner of Royal Gold Potting Soil, and founder and owner of Cultivate
1: Colorado. How you doing today, Chip? Oh, I'm doing great, Tim. Thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to this all week.
0: No doubt, no doubt. Uh, we're we're uh, you know we we're, we're on the heels of uh, Sessions, you know, coming out saying that uh, he's probably not going to. Uh, you know, make a whole lot of changes to the coal memo. So that's kind of some good news that that we've had in the last week after a couple of weeks of
1: just kind of being shamed by the administration. Right, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough political world right now. There's so many uncertainties. The cannabis industry really is an uncertain industry, but honestly, it has more security today than it's ever have. Most people that want to be involved in the legal cannabis industry aren't going to jail. Yeah, and, and that's—I mean—aside from
0: you know what did happen with Canada with uh, Mark and Jody Emery, but we're already we're already getting off topic here. Um, I, I, I want to thank you for being on the show, you know, and, and so why don't you tell uh, tell us you know about your background, how did you get involved in the cannabis space, and uh, tell me about uh, more about your time in uh, Europe.
1: Well, man, brief history. Uh, I'm, I'm, I am I'm was raised in Georgia, uh, always been in, interested in farming and agriculture, agricultural technology. Uh, and, you know, when we were kids uh, uh, smoking weed, you know, we, we just had joints or, or didn't necessarily know what it was. Lots of drug war propaganda back there. And we got a, a sack one day that had seeds in it. And uh, to this day, when I see those friends that were involved in it, they, they quote me by saying, we can grow this shit. And that's what fascinated me with me of cannabis. It was this incredible psychedelic plant with, you know, lots of uh, uh, medicinal, potential medicinal value. Um, and we could grow it. We could grow it ourselves. And that's really where it all started um, way, 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 way long time ago, I think. Right. I got to start it out early, probably earlier than most people should, Um, but fascinated with growing things. And uh, one thing led to the next. And uh, I ended up in uh, uh, University of Georgia studying uh, botany and then uh, biological anthropology, uh, basically the the prehistory of agriculture. Um, the archaeology of agriculture, and and, and that just kind of set the tone for my life. Uh, In in 97, we moved to California, me and my then girlfriend and now wife, uh, to be involved in the medical cannabis industry and uh, uh, immediately hit with a great group of people, great group of activists that were really pushing the limits, and some of them had been growing weed for 30 years already and really got a great knowledge then, um, had had a, had a number of uh, successful years um, experimenting and uh, growing different cannabis in different ways. And up in Humboldt County, at the time, the epicenter of cannabis in the world, really. Um, but there was only one place that was doing it legal, and that was in the, in Europe, in Netherlands. Um, at the same time, uh, the Internet had come about, uh, this crazy thing that, that – we take advantage of and we're having a Skype interview on right now. And I was able to communicate with people overseas and say, Hey man, I'm from Humboldt County. I live in Humboldt County. Um, you know, we've got this strain or this technique, or I'm I had this interesting question and it, it just, uh, opened a lot of doors for me. Uh, we went over there first in, I think 1999 and, uh, uh, met everybody Scentsy seeds and, uh, uh, Mr. Nice, uh, DNA Genetics, Sagmartha like Genetics, uh, all of those early, early people, um, and and stayed there for a number of years, uh, on and off, uh, specifically in Switzerland, um, with uh, Scott Blakely of uh, of uh, Mister Nice fame. In the time, he was growing acres and acres and acres and acres and acres of wheat greenhouse light depth indoor. And uh I was able to spend about a year and a half on and off there with Scott uh and he really schooled me in several different ways and and uh allowed me to go and take pictures and ask questions um all throughout Switzerland and, and where he was growing these massive, massive cannabis crops and you know that was uh two thousand to two thousand and two, two thousand and three I believe. all that got shut down and it hasn't really been until recently that these massive style grows have really come back and uh, it's kind of a, a brief, you know, overview of what's happened in the past 15 years, but uh, uh, that's where we're at. Now we're having these huge grows again, 1,000 lights, 1,500 lights, huge greenhouse operations, 20,000, 50,000 square feet, you know, five acres of greenhouse, 10 acres of greenhouse all over Colorado, California, Oregon, Washington. And It's really a great time to be involved in the cannabis industry, that's for sure.
0: So why don't you tell me about uh, some of the growing techniques that you picked up in,
1: uh, in Switzerland? Well, light, light deprivation was, is the primary thing that we picked up in Switzerland. Uh, at the time, in Northern California, everyone called it black box. And there was all kinds of like misnomers on, on how it worked and what you did. But people basically were taking black sheets of plastic and pulling it over their plants in some manner. getting this kind of poor quality cannabis well uh uh, scott um he had perfected this technique and he'd He had been studying with with rose growers and cut flower growers on how to control your nighttime and daytime temperatures and simple uh, light deprivation uh, operations. Now, what light deprivation is, is it's where you artificially control your nighttime in a greenhouse or an outdoor setting. So you black the plants out for 12 hours a day to induce flowering any time of year. Right, and it's, it's, you know, Linus, the one of our founders of modern botany, he developed this technique 150 years ago, right? And I had tried it, you know, had been using it and trying it for a number of years, but it wasn't until, you know, I, I saw the techniques they were using, which were supplemental lighting to keep your vegetative plants going. This idea that there was every moment of the day every moment of sunshine was flower time instead of having these traditional seasonal flowering periods that that was new to me you know over there scott was literally flowering every single day mr nice gbt genetics they were flowering every single day of the year and just using you know high pressure sodium lights at the time 400 watt lights to supplement the light to extend their daylight to increase their vegetative period, say in the wintertime, or to use uh, uh, extra light in the wintertime to increase the light intensity in the greenhouse. And these guys really like growing incredible indoor quality cannabis and what at the time was perceived an inferior technique to, to grow wheat. And, and,
0: and, and you described yourself to me earlier as a, as a soil guy. Um, yeah. Dirt, dirt. Uh, so, so, so you know what? Uh, what you, you t- tell me about your soil and and you know wh- how it uh, differentiates from from others out there and how you came up with the recipe,
1: so to speak. Sure. Well, I founded Royal Gold potting soil in, in uh, two thousand and and. Two or four. It's been such a long time ago. I've kind of forgotten. Um, and I, I sold it just recently last year to my partner and a group of investors. Uh, and we still happily do business together. Um, I, I, I've always wanted to make my own soil and been fascinated with soil biology and soil chemistry. Uh, so uh, I was always making my own potting soil, even you know, even in the early years. I had a neighbor. He had a company called Power Flower. They were making a local product, a local potting soil in Humboldt County. And I thought to myself as I saw his trucks go by my house every day, wow, man, I, th- I think I could do this. I think I could turn it into a business. Um, I love Dan's product, but I made it better. I took his product and added you know, more, more parts and pieces, which is a common theme in the cannabis industry. People want to mix in their own magic, so to speak. So, uh, I started importing coconut fiber way, way back before anybody even knew what it was. Cocoa pith, cocoa coir, cocos, whatever you want to call it. It is the waste product from the coconut fiber industry. They're these little short fibers that fall to the ground after fiber production. And they pack those, import them into the U.S., and then we process it into a peat-like substitute. Right now, the, the, the really interesting thing about cannabis and cocoa is that it, it, it has a certain amount of natural potassium in it that, ca- that cannabis loves. And it also has the perfect drainage and nutrient exchange rate that cannabis loves. Um, and coconuts, just like uh, cannabis, we have a long co evolutionary history with them. They've, they've really fed humanity and, and given medicine to humanity for eons, for, since our beginning, really. So, all of my product has been coconut based in some form. And in Royal Gold, it was a completely cocoa based product, cocoa based soil. I've currently started a new company called Growers, and we're based out of Colorado. Our production will be up here in the summer of 2017. And we're having a peat cocoa perlite-based products that allows our growers to be able to supply all of their own nutrients. Almost everybody has a whole a magical or their special recipe of nutrients, and our soil will allow you to be able to grow with any recipe that you, you, you have or do you want to develop. Um, the other part of your question is, uh, how did I come up with these formulas and, you know, a, a lot of it was self-experimentation. A lot of it was customer participation, man. Like, over the years, I've been able to talk to hundreds and hundreds of growers and go and see hundreds and hundreds of grow rooms, uh, hundreds of outdoors. It's, it's been a really uh, an impressive education on soil and soil management techniques across the board. And that's really allowed me to see what the customer wants and what's really great for, for packaging and, and just making money, because that's what we're trying to do in business every day is make money, right? So, uh, uh, growers, it's geared specifically towards the cannabis industry. Uh, it's mostly inert product that has a, a, an, a specific drainage made for cannabis, Um, we've now used the, some of the best soil scientists in the world to help us refine and develop the techniques, um, and the components that, that we're putting in it. The highest quality cocoa fiber is chosen from 15 years in the industry. I literally choose it from the best guy. There's one guy and you know who you are. I'm not going to tell everybody, but thank you. Right. There's one guy who's got the shit in cocoa fiber and I get it from him. And then there's the highest grade peat, and you know we source the highest grade peat and a a local perlite product. Uh, So uh, it's all highest end product, highest end inputs, highest end outputs, made specifically for cannabis growers' soil. So I,
0: I, so I can like I can tell just by talking to you like how passionate you are. I I mean about dirt, right? Like and and it's it's, and and you're and you're an OG, you know. You 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 know you were in. You know, in Sweden, you were with some of the, you know, the famous, you know, early growers. So, you know, it's interesting to, to get your take on on where you've, not just where you've come from, but but how, how have you seen, I mean, obviously when you started, you know, there wasn't the legalization that exists now. But how, how has the industry changed for
1: you in the dirt game? Well, you know. Because you well, can always sell dirt. Yeah, it has changed, though, man, that's for sure. You know, um, years ago, when people grew indoors, they grew mostly hydroponic style, right, because it's uh, really easy to hide that and get the medium, that's the, the, the material that you grow your plants in, that's what we call it, medium, uh, to get it in your house, rocks or rock wool, it's real lightweight But as as cannabis changed, uh, let me back up. So you had this lightweight growers, and then you had dirt growers. And back in the late 90s, 2000s, it was just, that was the definition, dirt growers and hydro. Most of the dirt growers were in Northern California because we had places we could hide. We had big open spaces. We had private spaces. And it was simple as like, you know, Fox Farm potting soil and Power Flower potting soil. And we'd fill these things up with buckets, put some plants in it, and start watering it. But then there was only a handful of nutrients on the market. You had Pure Blend and General Hydroponics and maybe a few others. Now there's dozens of different formulas. I mean, at our shop, Cultivate Colorado, we carry, you know, $2 million worth of fertilizer, probably. And because everybody has their little specific thing that they want. So the fertilizer game changes, and so the soil game has to change. And uh, companies like Premier and Royal Gold and Botanic Botanicare, uh, Sunshine, we all came to play with the NERT. Uh, Pro style uh, potting mixes. And most of these mixes were developed out of UC Davis in the 50s, where lots of agricultural research came from. Right. And they they said how much moisture rating and how much air and how much drainage you needed to have for a specific growing style and all of us, uh, Premier's are the biggest people, Sunshine, they're one of the biggest people, Fox Farm, I mean, they're the godfathers in the cannabis industry, and my little company at the time, uh, uh, we were all going towards this way of like, okay, well, we need some inert mediums so that people can put their own fertilizers in it They have access to all these fertilizers in it. Um. So, so now the industry's, we all use hydroponic style mediums, but we're basically growing in dirt, right? Soil, as, as the Eddie people say. Uh, and, and that's, we take a container, we fill it full of an inert medium, and then we use a hydroponic style nutrient to feed uh, uh, the soilless mediums, right? And that's the predominant way. Every single grow room I go into, like 99%, that's what they're doing. They have a soilless medium that's made of peat or perlite or cocoa peat or perlite or just cocoa, and they're using their special, their, their, their specially picked hydroponic style nutrients to grow in it.
0: So. I, I, I want to talk. You know, I mean, the 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 amount of knowledge that you are just like dropping on me about dirt right now is is absolutely
1: mind blowing. Um, it seems like dirt. People ask me all the time, like, "Do you make dirt? How do you make dirt?" Right. <laughs>
0: Um, so so, but I want to talk to you about how you uh, how you've kind of uh, shifted gears a little bit and entered into uh, you know kind of a consulting career but before we do that we got to take a short break this is the Gontrepreneur.com podcast I'm T.G. Brandfall.
2: This episode of the Ganjapreneur.com podcast is made possible by Name.com, a global provider of domain name, web hosting, and email services. Every successful cannabis business needs an online presence, and every successful online presence begins with a domain. From your website to your email address, a good domain is easy for your customers to remember, it looks nice on a business card or billboard, and it reflects the true identity of the project it represents. It's important to reserve your domain early on when you are starting your business, as you may find that the .com address for your preferred brand or concept has already been taken. If somebody has already purchased the ideal .com for your business, they might be willing to sell it, but if they aren't, you may have to get creative with one of the new alternate domain extensions, such as .co, .club, .shop, or even .farm. Reserve your domain name today at name.com slash If you are a domain name investor or venture capital firm interested in acquiring or advertising premium cannabis domains, go to the Gondrepreneur domain market to browse a wide variety of names including strains.com, cannabismedia.com, mj.com, and countless others. Discover branding opportunities for your next startup and learn about listing your premium domain names for sale at gondrepreneur.com slash domains, sponsored by Name.com.
0: Welcome back to the entrepreneur.com podcast. I'm here with Chip Baker. He's the host of The Real Dirt with Chip Baker, founder and former owner of Royal Gold Potting Soil, and founder and owner of Cultivate Colorado. Uh, so before the break, we were talking about um, uh, your, the, your new grower soil, uh, th- that project, and you, you also do a lot of consulting. So why don't you tell me how you, I mean, not how you got into consulting, but
1: why you decided to get into consulting. Well, it's actually kind of linked, man. One led to the next, uh, through running potting, potting, uh, soil company and a hydro store for, you know, 15 years, everybody comes through the door and has a story to tell or has a question to ask. Right. And, um, over the, those years I've gained a a significant amount of knowledge from my other customers, the questions they ask, the problem solving that we went through to solve their problems. And, you know, I just, I've kind of just become like the, when the experts are stumped, they call me. Right. I, I'm, I, I I, not to sound arrogant, but like I, I generally have a, answer to every question based on some previous application. Uh, randomly do I get stumped, but when I get stumped, I also have a pool of experts that I get the call, right, that, that know the answer. So uh, here in Denver, in Colorado, real uh, tight-knit community, Um, Denver is is where it's all happening for the whole state pretty much. And, uh, you know, uh, growers come in, dispensaries come in. They start asking questions. I I solve their problems quickly and easily. Um, And uh, just one thing led to another. And, you know, venture capitalists start calling. um, Financing people start calling. uh, Big grows start calling. Governments start calling. Uh, just, just how it happens, you know.
0: What's one of the most common questions that you get from 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 growers, people coming to your thing. shop?
1: It's the same thing over and over again. Well, well, growers are constantly prideful in what they. Growers are prideful in what they do. People who grow cannabis are some of the most prideful people that I've met, and. a a, a lot of the question is associated with the yield that's almost every person's question is associated with yield right like you know my yields are down because of pest my yields are down because of watering my yields are down because of environmental control right um at cultivate colorado we have we have Every size customer, from grandma with one light to you know the the ganja with fifteen hundred, right? And they all have similar questions about watering, environmental control, pests. It's almost always the same. And you you said that you uh,
0: you worked with uh, with with government regulators. Um, can can you describe that experience? Because you know I, I'm just wondering, you know what. What what is it like? Are they do they kind of turn their nose down at you? Are they?
1: Is there any excitement at all from the bureaucrats who are involved in now, this? Yeah, now there is. I mean, in the past, because I've, I've always spoke openly about cannabis, and I mean, you, you, you hear it. Like I can speak on pretty much any subject from water consumption to hemp importation of you know CBD distillate. Right, I'm just fascinated with all of it, and I understand it in a way that many people don't. In the past, there was lots of fear associated with that because I'm right up front about it, right? And now people are fascinated and they ask really interesting questions, Um, and they're uh, uh, questions of all types. You know, last week, as a matter of fact, um, Colorado were regulating how much cannabis a medical person can grow in their home. And previously, we had 99 plants. A lobbyist uh, called up last week and asked me, like, hey, Chip, how many plants do you have to have to sustain a six-plant flower? Right? And I was like, wow, that's a really interesting question. The government at the time wanted to change it to just six plants, where you could only have six plants in your house. Um, And my answer was 44 plants. Now, that seems like a lot. But it, it, it's not really. You need a you, you, you need a mom, right, to get your cuttings off of. And then you need to take like twenty five cuttings because most people's plants, half of them die off, right. And then you've got twelve vegging plants at that point, and half of those might die off or be bad, or you want to throw them away, and then you're left with six. Right, so it's it's not just this simple answer of plant six seeds and get six plants. It's a little more complicated. Now, unfortunately, they decided to go with the number of sixteen instead of forty-four, but you know, sixteen's better than six.
0: Well, and and uh, when we spoke about this last week, you had said that you're actually more of a proponent of, of canopy size
1: as opposed to plants. Yeah, you know. Restricting number of plants is useless. You know, if, if for instance, there's a big uh, movement going on right now in consuming raw cannabis leaf, right? Well, one of the easiest ways to do that is through a microgreens type technique, right? And for that, man, you, you'd have like 100 plants, you know, in two square foot area, right? So, so the numbers of plants don't really make sense to me, right? You can go one plant or 200 plants in the same area, and that's what it all boils down to. It's it's square footage. Now, I'm of course in the business of retailing hydroponic and indoor growing equipment. I would like there not to be that strict limits on this type of stuff, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> but, you know, in California and other states, they've, they've had this canopy idea, and this means that you have so many square feet that you can grow in right and and that really is a better example of what's going on because if you have a a 10 by 10 canopy right that means the you know two top two foot of all of your plants equal a 100 square feet right well if you spread that out right it might be 200 square feet of growth right but it's a 100 foot canopy right that kind of thing really makes sense because it's, man, how many times you count and how many tomato plants you plant in your backyard, <laughs> right? You don't. You don't. And you go to the nursery to buy, you know, petunias or mums or something. And you just like look at the six packs and you're like, I want five of those, right? You don't think that there's 30 plants there. You're just like, oh, I think I'll take that that many, right? And that's how we should be treating weed as well. But the problem here here is it's it's really based on this nineteen seventies like awful law that said that one plant equals one kilo of What? Cannabis. <laughs> That's a federal law, right? Like when you look it up, and it's all over the country, people still use this. They use this in Chicago. They use this in Georgia. Is it one plant equals a kilo? And I have absolutely seen 10-pound plants. Absolutely. Beautiful, huge, majestic, huge plants. Most plants don't equal a kilo. Most plants equal an ounce. That's 28 grams, Right. (laughs) So, like, that's also part of it. They look at it and they're like, oh, six plants. Well, then you're getting, you know, six kilos. Right. That's way too much. Way too much. And personally, that's not too much for me. Right. But and I don't think anybody should tell me it's too much either. Uh, But it's also not reality. Most people grow six plants and get six ounces. Right, most people that are actually growing inside their house here in Denver, anyway, you can go buy it for cheaper than you can grow it. Right? It's it's expensive here now seventy five as little as seventy five dollars an ounce. Right? Still as much as three hundred, but you know that. So uh, yeah, I I, I just don't think they have a grasp of really what's going on. They still think it's this evil plant. You're like, oh, you can only have six. Right It's not. It's this gentle, beautiful, you know, you know incredible piece of evolutionary history that we have together. and you know we we, we should support it, and cultivate it as it cultivates us.
0: Well, I don't think you, me, or anybody else listening to this podcast would uh, dispute the symbiotic relationship cannabis has. And uh, I want to talk more about normalization and more about your role uh, as a media host. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I've got to take a short break. I'm T.G. Brandfault with Chip Baker. This is the Gontrepreneur.com podcast.
2: At Gondrepreneur, we have heard from dozens of cannabis business owners who have encountered the issue of canna-bias, which is when a mainstream business, whether a landlord, bank, or some other provider of vital business services, refuses to do business with them simply because of their association with cannabis. We have even heard stories of businesses being unable to provide health and life insurance for their employees because the insurance providers were too afraid to work with them. We believe that this fear is totally unreasonable and that cannabis business owners deserve access to the same services and resources that other businesses are afforded, that they should be able to hire consultation to help them follow the letter of the law in their business endeavors, and that they should be able to provide employee benefits without needing to compromise on the quality of coverage they can offer. This is why we created the Gondrepreneur.com business service directory, a resource for cannabis professionals to find and connect with service providers who are cannabis friendly and who are actively seeking cannabis industry clients. If you are considering hiring a business consultant, lawyer, accountant, web designer, or any other ancillary service for your business, go to gontrepreneur.com slash businesses to browse hundreds of agencies, firms, and organizations who support cannabis legalization and who want to help you grow your business. With so many options to choose from in each service category, you will be able to browse company profiles and do research on multiple companies in advance so you can find the provider who is the best fit for your particular need. Our business service directory is intended to be a useful and well-maintained resource, which is why we individually vet each listing that is submitted. If you are a business service provider who wants to work with cannabis clients, you may be a good fit for our service directory. Go to gondrepreneur.com slash businesses to create your profile and start connecting with cannabis entrepreneurs today
0: welcome back to the entrepreneurcom podcast I'm your host TG Bradfallult here with chip Baker host of the real dirt with chip Baker founder and former owner of Royal gold potting soil founder and owner of cultivate Colorado so so you've, you've uh, you know spent your whole career in dirt and uh, you know helping people as, as a consultant and uh, then you end up doing a
1: podcast how, how, do, how do you end up there, man? God, you know, I wanted to tell people stories, man. I have these incredible friends, and they get interviewed by NBC and, you know, CNN and Fox News. And uh, they don't, the, the journalists don't ask the right questions. They don't know what questions to ask. Right. And I, I saw this every time I'm reading an article on cannabis, I shouldn't say every time, but many, 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 many times. It's just the same old, oh, you guys must get really stoned at work today, you know. <laughs> and that might be part of it, don't get us wrong. But uh uh, you know, there's there's there was a deeper level of conversation that I believe needed to have. And man, I just got some friends with incredible stories like Christian Cedarberg. Uh, from uh, Vicente Cederberg um, you know he's uh, an attorney who helped legalize cannabis here in Colorado. has a a, um, a law practice that is primarily cannabis related for people all over the world. Man, you know, and uh, Jordan Sagoda and just an incredible extractor. Um, Justin Jones and and my buddy Matt Bickle, both uh, successful cannabis growers and now consultants for people all over the world. And I just kind of wanted to share their stories, man. I thought it was fun. Um, I also just sold uh, my all my interest in Royal Gold and was feeling really creative. Right. Uh, I I had this huge amount of success from this business that I had created and built from the ground up from literally like $1,200. I started in 2002 with it. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, I, 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 I I couldn't say how much business they do now, but they ship all over the world. Right. And, um, that's, uh, you know that that makes me feel really good for sure and uh just wanted to like tell these stories they were just interesting to me right podcast i i i haven't had that many downloads i'm a boutique podcast as of now right i think i've had about ten thousand downloads right that i can track right um and uh i i get people that come up to me now and say hey you're chip baker from the real dirt (laughs) Right. And uh, then then we usually smoke out and uh, talk about their favorite episode or they tell me something that they're interested in. And um, and yeah, man, that's kind of why I do it is I've always loved radio. I've always loved the stories. I've always loved This American Life and, you know, uh, uh, NPR type stories. And I just kind of wanted to be a part of it.
0: So when you had said that, that uh you know most reporters don't ask the right questions, especially, and and, and I gotta agree with you as somebody who who you know has a master's degree in communication, who studied journalism, who uh,
1: you know, yeah, so, you know, Ganja to some degree, right? And you've been around it, so you probably I haven't read any of your work, Tim. I'll be honest with you, but I'm sure you probably can ask relevant questions other than. Are you getting stoned at work? (laughs) Well, I
0: mean, focusing on on the business aspect of it, something that, you know, one of the things that I'd like to, you know, the normalization is a huge thing. And I think anybody who, like, gives a damn about, you know, the the advocacy end of it, you know, it's all normalization when it comes right down to it. We want our businesses, you know, in my case, you know, I want the stigma to be over so Uh, When when people see me with my long hair and you know my kind of laid back, you know, and they think stoner, they don't think you know, well, he, he's not going to be a good worker or, you know, he, he's not good for the
1: brand. If, if, you know, that makes any sense. So yeah, I try to break that right there. Cause I'm a stoner 100% man. I'll tell you that I love it and there's nothing wrong with it. And so I bring it up immediately with people all the time. Right. And it makes them feel comfortable. And I, I, Smoke with people who never smoke. I smoke with people who have never smoked. People come to me and said, "Hey, man, I'm really interested in trying it because I'm I kind of make it normal, right?"
0: Well, and, and I mean, you grew up in Georgia, right? Like, so there's definitely probably growing up for you, there was a far more stigma free. I, you know, I, I grew up mostly in the Northeast, you know, New York and, and Connecticut, and, and where. It's it's a lot more liberal than Georgia, where I mean, people still go to jail for a long time. Oh yeah, man.
1: I got a my I got a I've got a family friend who you know is looking at a felony for a joint right now in Georgia. A joint, a joint, joint. because they turned that into resisting arrest, and they you know whipped his ass, put him in jail. Right? (laughs) It became this thing because that's how it works. Right? It's never just one thing right
0: so um in in your in your podcast, like um what were some of the your your favorite guests and your favorite interviews that you've done in that role, you know is it with Is it with like people that you 've known for a long time that you 're just kind of you know being able to ask them questions that you may not have gotten to before, or is it with people that you 've really never met
1: a little bit of both I mean mostly they 're friends of mine right uh, um, I, I have a a pretty good rolodex of people that have asked me questions in the past. Right. And maybe owe me a favor or, uh, you know, have grown in their businesses, you know, to where they're just, you know, a powerhouse. Right. Um, So that's part of it. But, yeah, you said it right there. I get them in the studio here. I'm in the real dirt studio right now. I get them in here and they put the headphones on and they got a microphone in front of them and they're just transported. Right. And we have this, uh, and I keep saying psychedelic experience. I guess I'm on, I'm, I'm, I'm on that frame of mind today, but we, we do have this like bonding psychedelic experience because the headphones are on, you know, and it makes that like, you know, controlled sound, you know, your, your, your voice is modulated a little bit. And it, it puts you in a little bit of an altered state. We are smoking weed for sure. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 uh, uh pe- people like, Tell me, tell me things they hadn't told me before, right? And I have really good, open conversations. Some of the best conversations I've had with my friends doing the podcasts. Uh, people feel like they can really talk about what they're doing, right? That it's a professional conversation, um, uh, and it encourages them. and encourages me too, you know. Most of my podcasts interviews we leave here and we high five each other and we're like oh that was great man oh i never knew that about you or thanks for all that information um and like like with uh andrew livingston he's a uh um statistician for vicente Cedarberg's and a researcher and he came here, and I got to ask him all the stats, all the information <laughs> on how much people were making, how much weed was selling, the direction. Like, you know, we got to chat like these mathematical theories, and, you know, uh, it, that's hard to come by, right? Like, and, you know, but he studies the data that comes out of the tracking system for this here, in the state of Colorado, right? Uh, so he was definitely one of my favorites. Uh, it's kind of a little nerdy of a podcast. So you got to be into numbers and shit business, right? You know, in order to really like that one. Uh, my longest and favorite podcast though is, is with my friend, Matt Bickle right? Like I've got to see him, uh, we, have been friends for about 10 years. And in 2009, he really became involved in the medical cannabis industry. And, uh, I've, I've been able to watch him grow from, you know, having a, a four light grow to working for a, a 10 light dispensary, a 40 light dispensary. And now he's a consultant all over the country, uh, motivating and helping people to, to set up cannabis facilities and, and, and you know, grow quality cannabis. Uh, um, I've got one later on today that I'm really excited about uh, with a, a friend of mine who's got an ancillary business. Uh, I, I won't speak of her name yet. Um, they're they're uh, they're all just. I don't know if I can say I have a favorite one. Um, I often ask people, you know, what their favorite one is. Um, And I get a Jordan Segota, which that's probably my most uh, interactive. He's a really colorful character. We smoked, like, dude, I swear an ounce in blunts while he was here. (laughs) It was just high-level energy. He's really descriptive. Uh, He's an extractor um, looking for the highest quality product um, and is is branding his product in a unique and different way. And, And lots of people really love that one. Um uh my most downloaded ones are the Christian Cedarberg and Matt Dickel episodes. Like you can listen to these episodes if you wanna be in the cannabis industry. This is what the byproduct of it was. So if you wanna be in the cannabis industry, you listen to four or five of these episodes and you get to talk to guys that you might not be able to afford to talk to. Right. Uh, Or might not be able to get on the phone because there's a line of 10 deep billionaires that want to talk to them. You know, but if you listen to episodes from Jordan Wellington and Christian Cederberg, uh, Justin Jones, Matt Bickle, you listen to those and you're interested in starting a cannabis uh, facility, a legal cannabis production facility, you can start and talk about it to people with a high degree of intelligence. Right. No, that, that's hard for people to get, you know, especially for free. Right. You got to find an attorney, pay them, find an accountant, pay them, find a consultant, pay them. Right. And then you might not know what questions to ask. Right. So uh, it's really become a valuable resource for people, which is kind of a, just an interesting byproduct. I never thought that really happened.
0: Well, this, uh, you're you know, with doing these interviews in the same way that you know that all you know, podcasters, you know, such as myself, we, we do these interviews and we're trying to, you know, create something informative. We, we're acting as as independent media, and you know, I mean, I went to school to to uh, studying media, so for me, it, it might not be that shocking that that I end up in the
1: media, oh, but. Right. but so, so, for you, it's just the modern world, though, man. That's the beauty of it is like anybody can. like I've got, I started my podcast with maybe like $500 worth of equipment a, a Mac, an HD Zoom 6, uh, and a microphone. Right. And I collected gear along the way, but, like, that, like, sounds so good, you know? I mean, it's just incredible. And with the editing, uh, I'm using a virtual editor outside the, the, the country. They edit all of my stuff. It's not that expensive, right? But everybody has the access to it. Anybody can open up a Facebook account and say, hey, I've got a podcast. Listen to it.
0: So what do you think of the role, the role that, you know, that you're playing as, as the independent media? You know, what is, what is the importance of having independent media in a space that we both agree isn't well covered by the
1: mainstream? Well, nobody's funding me to do it. I get to talk whatever I want. And even if, if, if I do have some sponsors, but you know, I don't do any product placement specifically for them. If their product comes up, it comes up because I like it. Like, Dude, I love these PAX pens. They don't, they don't, they're not a sponsor, but they could be. I'd love to have some sponsorship on those. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? But, but I, I'm, I can't be bought necessarily. I'm not looking for advertising dollars. Right? So it's this underground thing that gets to happen. You know, and we get to talk about the undergroundness of it. Right. Where, you know, how much media is controlled these days. Right. And for instance, in my industry, the LED uh, technology really doesn't work that well. But there's this whole media push by some group of people that I don't know that said that that drives people in my store all the time asking for LEDs and all of the like general public. They want to know about LEDs. Right. And, and I think that's manipulated. Right. And you know, as a reporter, how much stuff gets manipulated, right? Edit either edited out or purposefully made to support some like economic gain, right? It's business, man. Just how it is, right? And there's no real business for me on this. I just want to do it, right?
0: Um, So, where can people hear your podcast? Where can they where can they uh, get information about the new grower soil? And uh, is there anything else that that you're working on? Oh
1: yeah. Oh man, you know I got a dozen things going on all at once. But you know I'm 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 learning to play the banjo right now. How's How's it going? It's going pretty good, actually. Uh, My southern roots have drawn me to that lonesome sound of the banjo. Uh, (laughs) You can play the thing from Deliverance, right? You know, because I'm from the south, I'm not going to learn to play that.
0: (laughs) That's the only reason people get a
1: banjo, dude. Oh, shit. No, Del McCary, man. (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah, you know, just that reverberation That sound, it's the same sound I hear in my head when I get stoned. Yeah. So yeah, let's get let's say it, cultivatecolorado.com, uh the real dirt uh, You can see it on iTunes, uh, Stitcher and SoundCloud. Um, you can follow me on the real dirt on my Facebook page or you can look me up on Instagram just at Chip Baker. I'm always posting some cool pictures of grows that we get to go see. Um, and uh yeah, growersoil. growersoil.com uh that'll be coming out here in the in the summertime. So, don't man. So, Want to reach out? If you ever got a question, something interesting to say, give me a call, man.
0: Dude, it's uh it's been a pleasure. This has been one of the more uh, <laughs> uh the more fun episodes that I've done uh lately. <laughs> You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com and the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily, along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download this Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Sebastiano. I've been your host, T.G. Brandfalt.